Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to Moon Magic with Jeanette and David Ewing. And tonight, we are going to talk about the magic of trees. This is a show that I've wanted to do for a little while, but I've not been able to do one thing or another. And in the month of April, we planned on doing this show, but uh, both David and I... Uh, caught the COVID and were kind of down and out for a short period of time, but we are recovered. We recovered fairly quickly, thankfully, and we are back and talking about something that I've been interested in in a long time, and one thing I've wanted to do is to look more in depth at the trees that live around me, live in my own backyard, as it were, some of the more common ones that tend to grow here in our northern Virginia area, uh, here on the East Coast more broadly, uh, some of the others that I've seen as we've gone different places on our travels in the eastern half of the United States. And I wanted to learn more about what's in my own area as well as other parts of the U.S. up through the Midwest, like where Circle Sanctuary is, and where there are a lot of commonalities, there are trees that are going to be found only in certain parts of the U.S only in certain parts of North America, more broadly. There are trees that are adapted to only living in environments that are a little more moist, that get more regular rainfall, but then there are also others that are adapted to environments that are drier, environments that are maybe more rocky, Uh, that have soils that tend to be drier, have maybe less nutrients. And some of these trees have managed to eke out an, an existence in a part of the North America that otherwise we wouldn't think would be able to live. So I thought it would be kind of a cool thing to look at some of these, starting with more common trees where all, many people, I'm not going to say we're all aware of, but many people are aware of, and moving into a few different others, uh, trees that are less common, trees that you can find on the West Coast or uh, southwestern part of the United States, places like California and 
other areas. And I doubt that I'll even get to everything that I wanted to talk about. That's okay. We'll have another episode probably later in the year to do a part two of this. And we can connect with trees in many different ways. It can be as simple as doing Internet searches or looking in tree books like the Audubon uh, series of books. They have series of books on trees that are native to the East Coast and Midwest, western part of the U.S., and they focus on trees that are in those areas. And they can be a great place to start when you're working on trying to develop relationships with some of the trees that live where you live. That's a great place to start, and as you learn more about trees and you learn to identify what they look like, where they're found, then we can look at their magical properties, some of their historical uses in a number of different ways. And from there, you're able to develop relationships, connections with trees as spirit helpers. Now, it's worth noting that one of the main books I tend to use, and there's a few other websites that I've used for this for my research. Some of them are like USDA. There's one interesting website Uh, It's called The Spruce, and it's all on uh, uh, gardening and home improvement and things along those lines, but they also have a lot of information on plants, uh, on trees in particular. Um, I've gone to other websites as well. There's the Arbor Day Foundation and a bunch of other places to get background information. I've used also a number of websites. Um, and one of my favorite books from one of my favorite authors, Scott Cunningham, uh, his Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. And while it has a lot of information, it is lacking on some things. So this is not in any way, shape, or form the be-all and end-all of the information that's out there on trees on specific trees, on broad groups of tree species, or their magical properties. This is just one book that I happen to have at my fingertips, and that's the one I chose to use for this. But there are others. There's a few. There seems to be a growing number of these kinds of books out there. So keep your eyes peeled for them as you go to different places. We're heading into the festival season, and... With a lot of these outdoor camping events reopening, perhaps you can stumble upon an interesting workshop or book on tree magic somewhere along the way in your travels. So one of the trees, and in fact, Selena Fox, our 
Senior Minister at Circle Sanctuary, has talked about oaks and other trees. And this one in particular, and this is the oak tree. And many people are familiar with this tree. It is a type of hardwood tree. It is what we call deciduous, which means the leaves and the trees foliate in the spring. They produce flowers, and from there they produce nuts. Some kinds of trees, deciduous trees, will produce nuts. Some produce fruit, fleshy fruit. Others have different kinds of classifications for the type of, of nut or fruit that they produce. But oak trees in particular are probably one of the most common deciduous trees that people are familiar with. There are white oaks, red oaks, there's northern and southern red oaks, chestnut oaks, willow oaks, black oaks, pin oaks, swamp oaks, scarlet oaks, and probably many more that I haven't even listed here. And they, many of these can be found anywhere from Maine to at least parts of Georgia, maybe also northern Florida, and as far west as probably the Mississippi River. And I say the Mississippi River as a benchmark because once you move west of the Mississippi River, forest areas are less common and the land gives way uh, more to tall grass and short grass prairies. Oaks are masculine in nature. They're supposed to be masculine in nature. I have not looked up the the skirts of any oak trees, so I cannot tell if it is, quote-unquote, masculine or feminine. This is one of the things I find peculiar about the Cunningham books, and in this book in particular, and it was written initially back in the probably the uh, mid-80s mid was probably its first edition of the book, and we don't tend to use these kinds of terminologies, but I have it out there in the event that anybody is interested or finds some sort of common bond with trees in that nature. From a purely botanical point of view, some trees have only male flowers, some have only female. Many species do have male and female flowers on the same tree, and that's how they're able to pollinate to produce fruit. This is not a biology 102 class, so we're not going to talk about that, but it's just information to kind of fill things out as we're talking about different kinds of trees. It's associated with the sun and the element of fire. And some of the deities associated with oak trees are 
the Dagda, Jupiter, Zeus, Thor, Janus, Hecate, and Pan. That's to name a few. Uh, what I find peculiar is that although I've heard the stories and read the stories many times with the association of Odin and oak trees, Odin isn't listed here, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's no association. Oaks can grow very tall. They can live very long. They can live hundreds of years. And due to that, when I am looking to create connections and to look for plant spirit helpers, in particular tree spirit helpers, I do look at magical associations, and I also look at the plant itself. I look at the tree itself, how long it lives, where it lives, um, how tall does it grow. And that's one of the things that I use as a tool to develop connections with a particular plant. In this case, it's the oak tree. Many wands are made out of oak trees. They're associated with protection, with luck, with health and healing, with money and abundance. And typically, when you see information on the magical properties of something and you might see only something like money or wealth I think you can make the argument that things that are associated with money with wealth are in general also associated with developing or increasing prosperity and abundance I think it would be limited to say Oh, well, it's only associated with money and not anything more abstract as that. Well, I don't think that's the case at all. I think that when you see a term like that, I think of all the other possibilities that are associated with this sort of thing, with growth, with new opportunities, again, abundance, prosperity, increase. And really, any kind of increase, anything you want to grow in your life. And to that end, not surprisingly, it's associated with fertility. You can make the argument that many plants would be associated with fertility because, well, it's a plant. And it's, it's green. It grows. It has a life cycle. But not everybody looks at that the same way. So among other Uses of tree of oak trees, again, they've been used for a variety of different things associated with so many things. Um, again, it's a long-lived tree. It offers, <clears throat> as such, it also offers magical 
protection. If you take two oak twigs and you tie them together in the middle with red thread or ribbon to make an equal armed cross, they form, or an equilateral cross, it forms a very strong safeguard against evil coming into your home. Now, I talked about the branches and the, the tree itself, but the acorns also have very strong properties. I have always, I've always associated acorns with luck and money and fertility and abundance, increase. And if by a certain time of later fall there's still lots of acorns around an area uh, that little animals haven't gotten to, I tend to pick up a few, not too many, because I know there's a lot of animals that eat acorns. Besides squirrels, squirrels do, ground squirrels, chipmunks, a variety of larger birds will stash acorns in their nests. We know squirrels do. Deer also eat their fair share of acorns. So they play a really important role in in ecosystem. When you also work with acorns, besides, again, for me personally, the obvious connection to fertility and abundance and luck and money, they're also protective in their own right. One thing that they are associated with is protection in the home as well as other parts of the tree. And you can place acorns on your windowsill as a means to guarding your home against lightning strikes. This is not the only time I've seen this, but this is one of the uses of part of a tree to protect the home against lightning strikes. If you carry a small piece of oak with you, it is also said to protect the user against harm of any kind. Now, in general, I mentioned acorns and luck and money, but carrying any piece of oak also helps to draw good luck into your life. So if you wanted to work with this tree to develop uh, connection as a tree spirit helper, these are some jumping off, off points for you. And how does one go about doing that? Well, again, if you're in an urban environment, using the power of the Internet, you can get pictures of oaks. You can get pictures of the whole tree, of what the specific leaves look, up, look like, especially ones that happen to be in the part of the world where you live in. 
it's worth noting that related species of oak trees can be found in many places in northern, central, and western Europe. Not exactly the same, but there are species very common and related to white oaks and red oaks and some of the others that I've just mentioned. If you're able to go to an area that has a park, you can collect dried oak leaves that have already fallen and are part of leaf litter, or for this time of the year here in the northern hemisphere, the trees, uh, many oak trees have already bloomed or are at least starting to bloom and produce leaves any that happen to fall that are green can be those that you can utilize. Sticks, branches that have fallen, acorns are wonderful to use because they have so many purposes. So you can bring in part of that into your home as a way to connect to the tree. And you can also just go to a park where you see these oak trees and sit with one. Sit under an oak tree, maybe in part of the day where less people are around, or choose a part of the park where there's not that many people. Sit down with the tree. Get yourself into a nice meditative state and use that as an opportunity for your first exploration working on connecting with this tree. And you can use basic techniques of this type for any of these particular trees. Now, the few other trees that people might not think of in the same way as having magical properties or trees that you can work with or connect with, and one of these is the lowly pine tree. Pine trees are in many parts of the U.S. as well as a number of places in Europe. Again, uh, the variety of pine trees is going to depend on and what they look like, the number of pine needles they produce for each little grouping what their little pine cones look like. They're not always going to be the same. But I think they have a lot of the same kinds of properties. And it's because of the nature of pine trees in and of themselves. The pitch of pine, you know, the sticky part that the tree produces, that's part of the sap. It is flammable. It is burnable. It's used, it has been used by many different people around the world as an incense, as part of a base for an incense. It's very aromatic. And as such, it can produce very spirit, uh, powerful spiritual vibrations. It is excellent for cleansing for protection, for purification, and for
for exorcism and banishment. Likewise, pine needles, and even to a lesser extent, pine cones, can be utilized in incense blends as part of a sachet. They can be burned in the fireplace. Uh, or they can be scattered, dried pine needles can be scattered on the floor. And they can be used to cleanse and purify the home, to drive away evil, to reverse and send back spells to their sender. And some of the more common ones here in North America are, and starting in my own backyard, we have the Virginia pine. There's the eastern and western white pine. There's loblolly pines, pinion pines, the Scots pine, or sometimes also called the Scotch pine, bristlecone pine. This tree in particular, it's found in the west. It's found in places like the southern uh, Sierra Nevada mountain range this one is unique because it lives really really long there are bristlecone pine trees that have been found in certain national parks in the southwest that were found to be over 4,000 years old and in fact one of the oldest trees on the planet is a bristlecone pine, and it, they've named it. Its name is Methuselah, and it is so old and so protected that people at the National Park Service won't tell regular folks where it is because they want to protect it. Because inevitably, if somebody knew where it was, someone would try to take part of the tree, right? We know how people are. And when I think about that tree in particular, and that species of tree, I think of wisdom and longevity. I think of perseverance through difficult times. And when you start researching and looking at trees and how long they live and where they live and the kind of environment that they manage to be able to survive in, you can take those kinds of things that are aspects of the tree itself and use that as a jumping-off point, again, to build your own connections with those particular trees. If you want to really explore the idea and ways to promote longevity in yourself or to maybe learn to become more resilient. There are lessons in these trees and in where they live and how they live can be a useful tool for us to incorporate into our lives as well. 
Well, some of the deities associated with pine trees in particular are, let's see, Pan, Venus, Dionysus, Astarte, Sylvanas. And again, this is from the, the Cunningham book, and I, I think it is limited if um, time allows at some point in the future. I'll do more research to find out what other deities might be associated with pine trees in particular. And it's worth noting that trees like pine and fir, spruce, they are trees that are what we call evergreens. They all produce some sort of cone that are they're all different shapes and sizes. And the cone in and of itself is often seen as uh, something related to fertility. So even if you don't have pine trees, but you happen to have fir or spruce where you live, that's a great way to explore those trees. I didn't have enough time to do research on those trees, but I'm sure there's a lot of information on those as well, where they live. Uh, some places, like the Pacific Northwest, have species of fir and spruce and some other types that are adapted to living in the very uh, wet environment of the Pacific Northwest. They tend to get a lot more rain than other parts of the U.S. But even so, these cone-bearing trees live there and can grow very big and very old as well. So another tree that is, it's not a cone-bearing tree, but it's an evergreen. Many people call them cedars, and some are technically cedars, but others are junipers. And one of these is a very common tree we see all throughout the East Coast, certainly from the Mid-Atlantic region on south, and as you go south, into Florida and even uh, west into Texas, there's a tree called the eastern cedar, sometimes also called the eastern red cedar. It's not a cedar. It is a juniper tree. And the eastern red cedar is called Juniperus virginiana. This tree also, when it is burned, either the berries, it does produce little teeny flowers and little bitty bluish, purplish looking berries. Because it is, although it's an evergreen, it, it is a flowering tree. It's very aromatic and when the leaves or in particular the bark or the inner part of the wood is burned. It also is, it gives off very, uh, a very aromatic smoke. And the smoke is therefore very purifying, very cleansing. 
and the twigs and branches are often used in sweat lodges. It is a highly protective tree. It is used not only for protection, but in exorcism or banishing work. And it has a strong healing component. And although some of these tree species that are part of cedars can live a long time, the eastern red cedar don't, doesn't live quite as long so it may not necessarily be associated with longevity, but it's definitely associated with and is used quite widely in purification and cleansing rituals and in protection rituals. And for the pines and cedars in particular, where people don't necessarily incorporate maybe parts of acorns or parts of twigs of oak trees in sachets or incense blends, they definitely do with parts of pine and for cedars. There's also Atlas cedar. There's a Himalayan cedar. It's not found in the U.S. Uh, and I've never seen this tree. There is an Alaskan yellow cedar. There is a Bermuda cedar, uh, probably found in Probably Florida and points south. Don't quote me on that. Um, there's also a uh, other cedar species that are found in Mediterranean climates, specifically in the area of the Mediterranean Sea. So cedars, because and again. The juniper is their cousin, but these trees in general, again, they're all very aromatic when they're burned, and they all are highly um, purifying and cleansing. And cedars, um, cedar in general has been used by people of the Mediterranean region for thousands of years, cleansing and purifying and protecting type of rituals. Related, and it's part of the tree, is our essential oils associated that, are, that come from cedar and juniper trees. And in particular, they're also used in a variety of ritual purposes because of the fact that they're so aromatic and wind burned and even when you take drops of these essential oils and put them in a carrier oil or you use um, an oil lamp or something similar to, to dilute them to get the aroma in a space, they give off very strong spiritual vibrations. So when parts of these trees are added to, again, incense blends and sachets, um, they have a wide variety of uses. It can cure, it is said, to cure bad dreams. It 
Carrying a piece of juniper will protect the wearer. Guards against ghosts. It can also be added to love mixtures. Now, for me in particular, I have particular um, associations with the cedar, with cedars. I personally feel it is more protective and cleansing, but that's just me. And part of this, and part of the reason why I'm introducing some of these, is to give you some ideas of your own, some jumping off points. Do your own research. Look around in the places where you live and work with the trees. Sit down with the trees. Spend some time meditating with the trees. Find out what connections you can build with it and what in thoughts or impressions or um, images come to mind as you start doing workings with these particular trees. Um, It's also worth noting that Juniper berries are supposed to increase male potency. Now, I don't know if it's just carrying the berries or adding it in a love sachet or something along those lines or whether they are suggesting that it is made into a tea. I feel that it would not be tasty. Uh, By the way, juniper berries are added to gin. It's one of the things that makes gin Jenny, um, I find it an objectionable, bitter taste, but they're added to gin as part of the whole fermentation processing uh, to make gin what it is, juniper berries. But, hey, that's me. If you like gin, go on with your bad self. It's okay. One of the things I did not mention, and this is true for any of these trees that I've mentioned, you can bring branches into the house and you can hang them uh, over doorways. Uh, Again, you can make it part of a maybe a larger centerpiece or something along those lines as a focal point for you to work with as well. It's always better to take branches that have already fallen. If you want to take something live, ask the tree, thank the tree if you're going to take anything live from the tree that hasn't already fallen from the ground and is now detached from the tree. It's always a nice thing to do. So another common tree that you find all over the place in forests throughout many parts of the United States are maple trees. Now, many people think of maple, they might think of, well, maple syrup. And that comes from a particular species uh, called sugar maples. Now, don't ask me if 
you can make syrup from red or silver maple trees. I don't really know. I don't know if it's just that the sugar maple has the most, and this is all from older trees, um, or the best tasting sap that gets turned into maple syrup or not. I don't really have much idea about that, but there are other species of maples here in the U.S. And by extension in a decent chunk of Europe as well. So we've got red maples, silver maples, sugar maples, like I just mentioned, the Norway maple, and black maple trees. And not on this list is the maple tree that is the Canadian maple. Again, if you look at the flag of Canada, it has a particular, uh, the leaf has a particular structure and look to it. And when you see that, oh, you already always know, oh, yeah, it's that leaf. And some are kind of three-pronged. Uh, the red, silver, and sugar maple certainly look like that. Norway and black maples look a little bit different, and the Canadian maple does too. Its planetary association is Jupiter, and like some of the other trees I just mentioned, uh, all of the ones that I've mentioned so far are, I'm going to say, quote-unquote, masculine in their gender. Um Take that for what it is. When you work with these, any of these trees, you're going to get your own feelings and thoughts and impressions. And the reality may just be that it is, in fact, a gender-neutral association because it is a tree. Something just to keep in mind. The planetary association for maples is Jupiter and it's associated with the element of air. So are pine trees. Cedars uh, and um, oak trees are associated with the element of fire. Cedar is also associated with the sun, um, planetary-wise. What's interesting about maple trees is they are said to hold the wisdom of balance and promise. The leaves can be used in love spells. They are associated with longevity, with generosity, with abundance, and by extension, with money. Again, some readings I have say it's only money, but then when I look at another source, it also mentions generosity and abundance and increase and growth. And what I found interesting, and this was from a, a couple of different sources, is that um, it's associated with practical magic. I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean other than um, 
it helps promote practical magic practices? I'm not really sure. But I thought that was an interesting thing, that that specific um, thing comes up with, with maple. In particular, I like the, its association with promoting balance. So this can be a good tree to work with if you want to work on achieving balance in your own life. The work-life balance, the balance between your personal and professional life, the balance between um, being there for others and promoting self-care. So this tree may be just in the form of working with the leaves or doing larger meditations with a maple tree uh, can be useful to tap into those powers of looking for ways to promote balance in your own life. One other common tree that I happen to like, I see it around here in Northern Virginia, and in general the Mid-Atlantic region quite a bit, is the American beech tree. And unlike birch trees, which are a different kind of tree, beech trees are known for having, and you would always know if you see it in a forest, of like a mixed hardwood forest, while other trees have kind of knobby, nubbly, rough bark, and some trees have kind of shaggy-looking bark, especially as a tree gets bigger and older, it's got more cracks and crevices. Beech trees are smooth, and you might only see a few little cracks along the way horizontally as a tree gets bigger and older. But it's this very light, pale gray color. It's a smooth bark, and the leaves turn a very bright yellow in the fall. And it's got these the tapered, the leaf that's wider in the middle but tapered at either end. Uh, the, the edge of the leaf is a little bit jaggedy, so it doesn't have those lobes that you see with the different species of oak trees. It's definitely not a pine. It's not a... Uh, a juniper or a cedar that have uh, kind of needly um, evergreen type looking branches uh, and and leaves, green parts, but it's got this serrated edge and it's wider in the middle, tapered at either end, and again, it's it's very smooth, light gray bark. And what's unusual about beaches is that in the U.S., what's happened over time is the only species that really lives in the U.S. and the greater um, North America slash lower 48 is the American beach. 
There are others found in other parts of the world, but there's not that many beaches around. Um, it's B-E-E-C-H, not the place near oceans. It is associated with the planet Saturn, um, and by extension, because it is, again, quote-unquote, take it for what it, whatever it means, uh, has a quote-unquote feminine gender signature. But like I said, it's tree, so take that for whatever it means. Um, as we've changed and evolved as people and members of the pagan community, we don't tend to use the same kind of terminology and associations people might have 30 or 40 years ago. It's associated with either earth or water. It's associated with wishes, with doing work uh, related to aspirations, working on your aspirations, uh, developing your aspirations, um, working on increasing your creative powers. And it can be really good for balancing one's mental health. They do produce little nuts, the, the so-called beech nut. That's where they come from is these little beech trees. And, again, they are often found mixed in with oak trees and other mixed deciduous tree forests. Uh, all in through the eastern half of the United States. Now, some of the things that, of course, we never have enough time to talk about this, are nut trees. All kinds of nuts are associated with luck, with money, with abundance, And they tend to also be associated with fertility. So for any of those things, you can use nuts. Typically, when working with these kinds of energies of nut, of tree nuts, um, I'll work with the nut in its whole form, like still in the shell. Uh, one of the most common nut trees in the forest around here are uh, black walnuts. Uh, in books I've seen southern black or, or um, eastern black uh, walnut. There's California black walnuts. There's the Arizona black walnut. I didn't even know about that one. Uh, but what is a common theme that runs throughout all of these types of nut trees, again, is um, luck and money and prosperity and abundance and also fertility. And in fact, for some of some in some books, I don't always even see fertility as much as I see it uh, being a tool to help change your luck and bring money into your life. Because if you think of what is inside of the nut is a little tiny embryonic plant. It is the epitome of the source of growth and potential all packaged up neatly and ready to go as soon as you put it in the ground and give it some water 
and some warmth spread to germinate. It is gross and abundant at your fingertips, quite literally. Now, related to walnuts are hickory trees, and, of course, hickories have nuts, too. And there's a wide variety of hickory tree species that are all around um, the U.S., and it depends on what they are. There's mockernut hickory, and there's shagbark hickory, and there's a whole bunch of others. And, again, the thing that is the main overarching theme is that they are potent sources of energy for these kinds of of workings. So you can use a whole nut. You can carry it with you in your pocket. You can keep a whole nut in your, like in the cash till. Uh, You can also take the nuts themselves and open them up and powdered up and crushed up either the whole or the the inner part of the nut, the the meat of the nut. Um, You can crush them and grind them up and add them to prosperity and money mixtures. Uh, Any nuts that are heart-shaped are also associated with love and can be used in any sort of love workings. They can be carried to promote love and, again, are very lucky charms for, yeah, I know. Um, my husband just gave me a weird look. Um, but, yes, they are are very uh, lucky in, in that regard. Now, while there are overarching themes with nuts, if you look up information on particular nuts, almonds or pecans or walnuts, uh, et cetera, you can often find uh, specific things that can be associated with them. Uh, Walnuts in particular, um, not only are they associated with all these luck and, and prosperity things, uh, they're associated with mental powers uh, because it is a nut. Not only is it associated with fertility, but it can help with infertility. Uh, also with helping any wishes that you have. So you can do, you know, wishing spell work type of thing. And, yes, there are many other common types of trees that are found all over the U.S. I've only touched upon a few that are more common that might be more likely for you to find in your local parks or in local nature trails or other wild places around where you live or even in your own backyard. Even in Washington, D.C., which is very close to where we live, the whole area of the National Mall has been planted, and it was, I don't know how many years ago, probably easily 100 years or more, as 
the area that is called the National Mall, and that's where all the big national museums are, all around the area of downtown Washington, D.C., where these big, uh, where the monuments are and the big museums and the big government buildings, you have oak trees. And there's a wide variety of oak trees, and they're really old because they're really big, mature trees. So they've been there at this point at least 100 years. So I find it interesting that these trees, they weren't just left there. I mean, they were intentionally planted over 100 years ago. And over the years, we've seen them. I've noticed them uh, over and over as we've walked to different places, uh, gone from, like, a particular metro station to another um, in our walks around Washington, D.C. And I've always marveled at how even in the planning of this, um, the people who initially made these big plans in, to develop these big areas in and around the National Mall also included trees that were designed, I mean, by evolution, to live a very long time and be associated with prosperity and growth and stability and longevity. And here they are around some of the most important things that are associated with Washington, D.C. So we are just about at the end of the hour, and I'd like to thank everybody who is listening now and listening in the future. We appreciate you tuning in and listening to what we have to share. Also want to let you know about some of the things going on with Circle Sanctuary. Of course, we do this at the end of every episode. But in particular, we have to talk about pagan spirit gathering. The registration is still open. It won't close until early June. So there's still time for you to register. It is uh, this year, it is held uh, in central Missouri. Um, it is from June 19th to the, through the 26th. And what makes this festival different, and the reason why they call it Pagan Spirit Gathering, is that it includes and involves the building of an intentional pagan community. And it really is an intentional community that's created for these eight days. There are workshops. There are all kinds of rituals. One of the things I like is that they have rituals associated with different stages of people's lives. They have uh, young adult rituals. They have saging and croning rituals. Uh, there is always an opening and closing ritual. There's going to be the big main ritual. They also have a ritual that is um, that specifically celebrates the summer solstice on the morning of the summer solstice, as well as many other different kind of things that they do. Uh, there's interfaith work. 
There is other stuff for, for kids. There's a wide, just a huge number of different things they have going on. Um, one of the things that they've done over the past several years is um, done something called the Pagan Leadership Institute. And you don't even have to be a leader of a group, you know, hey, I'm a leader of a group. Uh, this, the stuff that they teach various people, Circle Sanctuary ministers and other people um, that are part of Circle Sanctuary uh, will teach different workshops on different kinds of things that are good for leaders to know, whether you have a small coven or you have a big group or you're part of a larger leadership or you're just in the learning process of things. So to find out more, you can go to Circle Sanctuary's website, circlesanctuary.org, and they have links right up on the main homepage with all kinds of information on merchants and musicians. Uh, let's see. Wendy Rule is going to be there. Spiral Rhythm is going to be there. Arthur Hines um, is going to be there. Um who else am I missing? Um, ah, yes. Uh, Beltana Spellsinger is going to be there. And uh, let's see, Marin King and Krista uh, Chapman Green. Oh, yeah, Lewis. Lewis Carew. We've had him on. Um, Various CSMP shows off and on over the years, too. Yeah, he's been on Circle Talk, too, at least a couple of times, if not more. Uh, There's also a growing list of merchants and just so many other things, all kinds of workshops and so many community-related things to do. So go to circlesanctuary.org and find out more. And, again, there's still time to register for this event. We'd also like to take a moment to thank all of our other Circle Sanctuary uh, ministers who are uh, podcasters on the CSNP, including Selena, Laura Gonzalez, uh, Reverend Charlotte Bear, and our Paganos del Mundo team, and... Reverend Deborah Rose, who also does Circle Talk. Tomorrow night in particular, we have uh, part of our new series called The Blue Marble. It's all about climate justice work. And tomorrow's episode, uh, she's talking with somebody who is going to talk about nuclear energy and the role that nuclear energy may or may not play in our climate change and alternative energy alternatives. It's a very interesting discussion that she had with the guest. That's tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern. So I think I've covered everything. I think so. And so, because um, talked about trees tonight, 
I'm going to do, let's see, The Greenwood Grove. Okay. I think that's an appropriate song. So, again, thank you for being here and listening in. And we will see you at the beginning of June where we will have our new moon show the first Thursday in June. So thank you, everybody, and many blessings.
Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connected to the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash CSN Podcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings.